0: You are listening to Overcomer's Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged.
1: So Liz and I, yesterday, um, for those of you that don't know, we, every Saturday morning we do a live And we go from my uh, Facebook page, and then we also have a ministry called Ward Ministries. And um, so we go live on that YouTube page. And so anyways, yesterday we started ministering. It was so funny because we woke up yesterday morning. Could you come stand next to me? Because that way the people on the camera can see closer. Otherwise, they got to make it go really wide and they can't see our faces. So hallelujah, we're still figuring this out. So anyways, um, this microphone's still hot. So um, (laughs) praise the Lord. Uh, We woke up yesterday morning, and what?
0: Nothing. Nothing.
1: Are we going to get along okay up here? We're going to get along
0: great. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Now, so at any rate, now... If you hold that with that, they're gonna crackle. Well,
0: I should have that microphone. You want this microphone? Because then I have. You to want to trade? No, Let's, it's trade. Right. It's Let's right. trade. It's all right. Let's trade. It's all right.
1: No. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, anyways, we're like, what in the world are we gonna minister on? And all of a sudden, the Lord just downloaded, brought something back to my remembrance, and we started ministering. And I said, you know what? We need to minister that tomorrow morning. And uh, so praise God, we're going to minister that today. But if you don't watch us on Saturday mornings, um, you need a little bit of laughter in your life, and so you should watch us because we have a little bit of... You
0: definitely should watch us. It's so good. So yeah. I'm putting. I'm going to put a plug in for Ward Ministries. Amen. We are, go live at 9 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube, and you should watch. It's really awesome. Yeah. And then you should share it because it will not only bless you, but it will bless the people around Around you and Mo, I mean, we seek the Lord, and our you know, um vision statement is gospel preached, hearts awakened, nations reformed. Right. And I mean, come on, who doesn't want to participate with hearts being awakened and yeah. the gospel being preached and nations reformed? So Amen. you can sometimes, you know, I think oh, sorry, I'm I'll stop. We gotta get going on this, anyways. Oh, it's good, partner. I mean. Well, you can partner with us. That's awesome. And we will take it gladly, but watch it. It's good. Amen. And we're kind of funny on Shameless that. Shameless plug. Yeah.
1: You know, if you're doing something and uh, you don't feel like, you know, you can tell people that it's good, maybe you should quit doing it. <laughs> but when God, God's hands on something, you just go for it. So praise the Lord. We're going to share the word with you this morning, and we're going to talk about, and I'm going to try to get this all laid out here. Liz is going to write. And uh, which you should have had this mic- microphone. But anyways, um, so we're gonna try to get this all laid out before we really get into teaching and preaching. And so we're gonna try. We're gonna try. No, it's we're gonna, faith. gonna. We're
0: gonna talk about faith. We're gonna faith. do it.
1: We're gonna do it. I so love faith. So we're gonna talk about levels of faith. And so there's different. I've found that there are different levels you can operate uh, in faith. Could we have just a smidgen of lighting so I could see their beautiful faces and so they don't fall asleep all at the same time? Hallelujah. Uh, so anyways. We, uh, there are different levels of faith that you can operate in, and we're going to talk about that this morning, and it is really, really going to help you. It's going to bless you, and if you've had questions concerning uh, you know, uh, maybe where you're at and why you're not seeing manifestation with things, there could be different questions. Hopefully, we're going to answer some of those things, but I have been really drawn to a particular verse, and it's Luke 18 and verse 8. And it's and this is Jesus speaking. He says, "I tell you that he will avenge them speedily." Nevertheless, and this is in the middle of a, um, some things that he's he's saying. Uh, but he says, "Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes," and, the, and then he poses this great question: "Will he find faith on the earth?" And I, I personally, you know, when you talk, when you look at like it talks about even the elect will be deceived, um, you know, and that people's love uh, will wax cold. So there's these things and, and deception will increase. There's these things that as the end comes closer, that if we're not careful, we could be drawn back or drawn away or pulled back or you know lose some things that God wants us to have. And praise God, not our salvation that's sealed in, in him. And so we don't have to worry about losing that, but I want to be effective. And so when Jesus returns, no matter the shape that the earth is in, I want to be an effective person for his kingdom here on the earth. How about you all? Amen. Amen. So he asked this question and he asked the question because Jesus uh, had the ability as a prophet and of course he was God, 100% God in his spirit. He had the ability to see into the future and ask a question that would make people think, "Will will he really find faith on the earth? And I think that probably there could be some pockets of people to where they don't trust God with anything anymore. You know, when you look up the word faith, it really is, it's like a, if we could use the word conviction, it's like there's a conviction to be fully like persuaded with something that you are full on all the way in, fully on board. And so when he's talking about having faith, he's talking about having faith in in God, faith in his promises, faith in what his word has said. And so we ask the question, will he find faith in the earth? And I just answer this question to Jesus and I say, Lord, I don't know about everybody else, but I know for me that I'm determined in my heart that when you find me, when you return, you're going to find a man completely trusting you with everything that he has. Come on, somebody. That's the answer that we need to be able to give the Lord. Praise God. And so we're going to talk about actually different levels of faith. And I think some of these things will really, really help you be able to see where you're at and then how you can increase. And so we have, do you have something you want to say? Okay. All right. You looked at me like you did. So we're going to talk about seven levels of faith and we're going to list these. And I'm going to list them and Liz will write them. I want to go that way. Let's do that way. That would make more sense. So I'm going to list these seven levels of faith, and Elias is going to write them down. If you're taking notes, now would be a great time to take notes, and the reason we have seven levels is because seven is the number of perfection, and because I'm perfect. I mean, because Jesus is perfect. I, I mean, when you, when you live with someone that tells you you're perfect every day, me, amen, <laughs> Hallelujah! Uh, so here we go. So the the lowest level, uh, I guess you again. got it figured out. I would have gone in the middle of the board. I guess we should have talked about this a little bit we more beforehand. Have, yeah. yeah, go in the middle of the board because you're going <laughs> to want to put stuff on both sides. Hallelujah. Uh, do you need me to write it, ma'am? Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: Maybe. Maybe. But if I write it, you <laughs> won't be able to read it. So other than my handwriting, I am a perfect person. So. Um,
0: yeah, just other. Listen, than that. I have a
1: dry sense of humor. Okay, I've heard some people be like, I can't believe it. I don't really think I'm perfect. Okay, all right. So, all right. Level number one, the lowest level, if we can say it that way, and I'm going to give explanation to this, is disbelief. Disbelief. It's different than unbelief. Is disbelief, and I'll explain the difference in a moment. The next level up from that would be no faith, and that is like a neutral ground. I'm going to give more explanation to that as well. So the next level is no faith. And then the next level after that is passive faith. All right, so passive faith. And then the next level is active faith. So active faith. And I'm going to give definitions. or We will give definitions of this. So active and then aggressive faith. And then next is enduring faith, so faith that endures. How many of y'all want some faith that endures all the way to the end? And then last but certainly not least is what I call fully persuaded faith, so fully persuaded faith. Now, let me say something from the beginning here that I think will bring uh, much-needed clarification. The Bible says that we have the faith of the Son of God. And I'm, I am firmly convinced that we have within us, because we have the faith of Jesus, we have within us the ability to believe God for anything that He, that he says. You know, just because some, somebody says something doesn't mean you believe it. But because we have God's faith on the inside of us, we have the faith of Jesus, we have the, the actual capacity within us to be able to believe God for anything that He says. Anything that he tells us to do, any promise in his word, any, anything that you can stick in there that God says, we have the ability to believe him for it. And that's important to know that because sometimes when we see things or we, we hear things and in our, in our natural mind gets in the way, we think there's no way that that, could ever, that that could ever be. Well, with the faith of God, there is a way that it could be because we can put faith in God's grace and receive what we need. Let me say this about faith: faith does not move God. I've heard these things said before that you know faith will move God. God does not move by your faith; He moves according to grace. Because the deal is, is that Jesus on the cross has already provided everything that we will ever need. So our faith isn't causing Him to go and make some kind of sacrifice or go and give us a promise. Because he sees that we're in such great faith, now I'm going to bless you. No, the blessing actually is already extended, but what we do is we take his word, his, we take him at his word, which is his blessing and his favor toward us, and then we simply believe in what he says. But there are different levels that we can take in believing or not believing uh, the Lord, and so I want to explain these different levels. And so we're going to start with with the. Uh, Actually, I want to start with no faith. Here's what no faith is. No faith is when you don't believe anything about something because you have no knowledge of it. Faith is based on knowledge. You can't believe for something that you first don't know about. Once you come into knowing concerning something, you can either, and actually what we should do is just draw a a, uh, a line here, I guess, draw two lines. Let's do this. Let me show you this. Let me do this. All right, this is not a category all by itself. <laughs> That's where there's no knowledge. No faith, no knowledge. Everything below that line is disbelief. And the only way you can have disbelief is if you have knowledge of something, but you're choosing to not believe the thing that you have knowledge about. But everything in terms of like a positive faith Now, disbelief is different than unbelief, because unbelief, and I'm going to pull some scriptures out to show this, unbelief is when you're believing, but you have things coming against you, and you're struggling to believe what you know to be true, because you can have faith and unbelief at the same time, but disbelief is intentionally not believing what you know to be true, and this could go for all all kinds of things, and there's a lot of things that God has spoken, and I know for me, and really all that is is just rebellion. You know something to be true, but you're choosing to say, nope, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to continue to stand. I'm not going to move that direction. You know, you fill in the blank. And so disbelief really to me is just a a form of of rebellion, but it's going in the opposite direction. But faith is based on knowledge. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith for something comes from hearing hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Words are extremely important. I said this recently to a group. I said, I was in my office one day, and I was going back, and I was watching the live stream, and sometimes I go back and do that just to see how it's going, and what it looks like, and how we can improve. And uh, this particular day was not good, because there was video, but there was no audio. And I was like, well, that's I can't understand what I'm saying when I was watching it. What are you saying? What's this amazing man of God saying? <laughs> but I, as I was watching it, all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and he said, you can have audio without video, but you cannot have video without audio. Words are what create faith for us to believe whatever it is that God says. We first have to hear. Now, I'm not against visuals and things like that, but even, you know, even, even visuals are described in, you know, in words, right? And so it's all about words creating a picture on the inside of us. Really, everybody's visual. Sometimes people that say, oh, I'm a visual learner. It's really that they just don't want to hear and they want someone to put on a show with a, with a whiteboard and all this hoopla or whatever, Because everybody's visual, but you're supposed to take the words and put them on the inside of you and let those words produce hope because the Bible says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith is a result of hope. And what hope is, is taking your imagination that God has given you, and you take his word and you begin to imagine his word in your heart, it will quicken faith and that's where manifestation comes. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith, true Bible faith comes out of true Bible hope. Amen. So words are where we get knowledge for things. And, you know, it's interesting because I've, I've been preaching faith for a long time and I got quickened in faith concerning believing God, not because I heard some preacher. Well, I did. Jesus, (laughs) the greatest preacher that ever lived. And I heard his words. And when I got a revelation of God's love to me, and I heard his words of love and blessing to me, it ruined me from ever believing anything less than God's best in my life. Like... I'm actually at this place to where I, I mean, I suppose I could I could get to where I'm in rebellion and disbelieving the word that I've heard concerning, say, healing, concerning uh, favor and prosperity and just different things that God says belong to us. But I'd have to really work at it at this point in my life. And the reason is, is that I've heard too many words concerning from the Lord and from His Word. Most importantly, it always comes back to the, to the written Word of God being spoken to your heart. I've had too many things spoken to my heart to just be like, Nah, I don't really believe that. And so oftentimes when people are critical of your believing or in my sake of, of my believing, it's because they've never had a word spoken that's quickened their heart to make them believe what it is that God is saying because see you can't just have the written word it has to be quickened to you and it becomes quickened to you by spending time with him time saying Lord make this word make your words written down in paper and ink for me make them come alive in my heart so that I can believe them Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it's not just sitting down and reading and having no understanding or no quick. Oh, I can read means that it comes alive in you. How many of y'all have ever heard something before and you're like, oh, I like that. Oh, I can relate to that. That's good. That's when that word comes alive to you. So when you're reading the word of God, it's not supposed to be just going through it and be like, "Well, I read my you know chapter for today, or five chapters for the day, and then you move on." But when you read it, you're saying, "Lord, this is a spiritual book, and it's written by Your Spirit, penned down by the hands of men, but inspired by You, and only You can really help me fully understand what it is that You are saying that was written down, and only You can cause the quickening for faith to come to actually believe in the thing that You're saying." Amen. And that's what we're called to do. God's called us to take his word and simply take him at his word. So there's different levels of faith. You got something? Well, and
0: I was just going to say, as you take the word and, you know, you you are building relationship with the Lord through the word of God. You're building your, your trust and, you know, your journey that... You're starting like to believe that what actually is written here and what you're speaking out of your mouth is true. And then that is to how we get to this position of being fully persuaded because we 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 build our relationship with the Lord, therefore we have trust or confidence That's right. in it. You can't have trust. Trust or confidence in something that you don't have a relationship with. Yes. And you yeah, have relationship right. as you get into the word of God and you start saying, Lord, reveal to me what you are saying. Tell me the hidden truth right. in this word. Make it come alive to me. And in that place, that's when things will start to get
1: yeah. quickened. That's to right. You. And this is a living, a living word. The Bible refers to the Bible as a living word. And it's not just paper and ink. I have praise God that it is written down, yeah. but it is a living word, and we're, mo- we're meant to experience it with him. And actually, the only way you really can experience it is with him. Right. Amen. Because he's the one that makes it come alive. He's the one that makes it valuable. I'm going to throw this statement out, and I said this to somebody recently, and they, and after they thought about it for a little bit, they said, well, honestly, when you said that, I had like seven red flags that were thrown up, but I understand what you're saying now. So I'm going to say this to you, and you can have all the red flags you want to be thrown up, but it's it's true. Um, we honor and glean to. Now let me say this: this is extremely important that you do not misunderstand what I'm saying, but you really grasp what it is that I'm saying. I value the Word of God more than anything else, more than any experience more than any idea of of man, of course, more than any church service, more than any person, more than any relationship. I value this word more than anything else. But it is an interesting reality when you read it and you compare where we are today with the early church. We honor and we reference a book they didn't have more than the presence of God that they did have. I'm not saying because I know people are like, Pastor, it's about the word i'm gonna I'm fully in agreement with you. It always has to come back to the word for our plumb line for what truth is. But the New Testament believers, they didn't have they didn't have a pocket version of the New Testament to stick in their pocket and pull it out and go, let's see here. It was still being written. The epistles, especially in you know during Jesus time, of course, the Gospels and the epistles had not been had not been written yet. And so they didn't have the ability to go and and even even back then, you know, they had the uh, the law and the prophets, but they didn't have their even their own personal uh, one to carry around. They'd have to go to the synagogue and find a copy of Isaiah or whatever and, and read it. Right, and so there was a value back then. And again, I'm not devaluing the word, but there was a higher value on the person after the day of Pentecost, after the person of uh, 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 in the person of the Holy Spirit. There was a higher value. In him than what we place on him today. I believe that if we did have a higher value on him, what we read here would be more alive to us because we're never meant to experience the word of God outside of relationship with him, just like what you were saying. Amen. So knowledge has to come from coming into agreement with the Lord and having him Him quick it, quicken it, but um, that has to be there, all right? So when knowledge comes, then we can get into the next level of faith is passive faith. Now, let's, let's give a definition for passive faith. So path, passive faith is basically um, faith that is present, but it's dormant. So faith that is present, but it's dormant. And what that looks like is that, you know, you can have somebody, for example, that, you know, at one point, maybe they're red hot on fire, believe in God for healing because they believe the word of God concerning healing. And so they don't disbelieve that word, but they certainly aren't really aggressive with it. And if there's a need coming up and somebody's got some sickness in their body or something like that, they might say, oh yeah, let, let's come into agreement with it, but there's not really any persuasion in their heart, and there's not really any aggressiveness in their heart. They just do it because that's basically just what you do. You ever been that way at any point in your life with anything before? Like, oh, this is this is what we do as believers. This is how we say. This is what we pray, whatever. Well, that would just be a passive faith. And you know, you had something really powerful that you shared concerning a passive faith with me that I think is worth Sharon, Go ahead and share that.
0: So the Lord just showed me a picture, or just made me think about a seed. And we have, you can have packs of seeds, right? And they're dormant. Right. They don't produce anything sitting in a package. There's not any responsibility for it to reap to produce or anything. It's just sitting there waiting for somebody to do something with it. This is even in our relationship with the Lord. You can read this, and you can even believe it, but do nothing with it. And that is actually a lifestyle that we are not called to, is to know something and then not do anything with it. That's right. So we have to take that seed, and then the, the first step is just planting it into right. the ground and to your heart and then allowing the Lord to continue watering it by the washing of the word. And then life begins to spring forth from yeah. that place. And, you know, seed then, I mean, fruit then is produced from that. So then then you have even more seeds that you can plant into the ground. Yeah. And so this is, um, you know, just a lifestyle of taking what you know to be true or, or what the Lord says, you might not, you have knowledge of it, but you can't necessarily know that it's true until you start actually applying it. Yeah. Until you start saying, okay, um, I'm gonna take this step and maybe I don't fully understand, but it's in your word, and I'm going to have to, like, this is a trust relationship. Faith is trusting in God. It's trusting in that he who is who he said he is, and that his promises are true. And that, But it takes, yeah. you know, we can say here, okay, I believe. I believe the word. I believe it's true. And that is passive faith it takes us stepping out and partnering with God in order to see it come to pass. God doesn't move independent of us. He came and he gave us authority and responsibility. And he said, guess what? I, you, It's at your disposal. That's right. All I want you to do is believe me. All I want you to do is trust me, but I need you to partner with me. It's like, you know this. We think that it's in the Lord's hands right here, but actually, He's like, uh, "I gave you the seed. Come now on. I need you to put it in the come ground yeah. so that I can partner That's with right. you and seeing the pro- the produce come." So this is um, this is actually then where um, you have a lot of fractures and brokenness come where you can actually get into this place of disbelieving is because you think. It's like, God, why, why, I don't understand. Like, I don't know why it's not working, but you yeah. actually just have this knowledge, but you're not doing anything with the knowledge that you have. Yeah. So you get into, you you get hurt. You you have all of a sudden this fracture, you have this place where the enemy comes in and he, obviously he's robbing. His goal is that you don't plant anything into the ground because he knows when you plant something into the ground, that produce yes. will come. come. That's and right. So so if he can keep you in this neutral position, in this um, passive state, then he can actually sow disbelief into your heart and get you to be fractured and all of a sudden see God from this broken place of he isn't faithful. He doesn't do what he says that he He will do when in all reality, it's us actually just not stepping out and trusting yes, him.
1: Yes, come on. That's so good. So that's, Man, just, that is yeah, so amen. important. Amen. Amen. Uh, I really just feel the Holy Ghost on that right now, and there's uh, this is something, and I've walked through this in my own life of just dealing with, like, fractures, as sometimes we refer to them as just pains, in your soul because you believe something, you didn't see it for X, Y, Z reason, and but instead of pressing forward, you've actually backed up, possibly possibly become offended at God become offended at his word, or just are, are in you know, unbelief and whatever, all these things go on. And it's because something, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And a lot of times people, whenever they're like, okay, I, I see that, Lord, I see that promise in your word. Now I'm, I'm going to believe that because they've got some basic, you might have some basic things about faith. Like we have to believe this. Faith is important to see it. You start moving in that direction and then boom, the bottom falls out. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, 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 it's just not as as simple. And then people get really funky doctrines that they start to believe, and they build doctrines based off of their experience instead of off of the Word of God. I could sit up here and tell you all day about failures that I've had concerning the Word of God and what it says, and I didn't see it happen to the point that you would be discouraged, which I would never do to you. But I could tell you many times of, of things that I didn't see, but it wasn't God's fault. We have this at the cornerstone of, of our belief system. We talk about this all the time. No matter what, God is good, period. He is good and his word is true no matter what. And when you see, when you look, when you read the Bible through the lens of God's goodness, you can read in there and see this promise and this promise and this promise and this promise. And honestly, this si- on this side of the cross, it's more than just a promise. It's actually a provision that's already there for you for the taking, But from getting it from the the spiritual realm, if you will, into actual manifestation, it requires faith. It requires believing God. It's like the currency of of heaven. It's like how things operate. You believe God and then you see things. But oftentimes, and this is very important, oftentimes people will take the word and the Bible says, let me give you an example of this in 1 Peter Uh, Chapter one and in verse 23, it says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God is seed. It's not instant manifestation. Miracles can happen and you can see instant manifestation. I was telling this story the other night, I think, to the 301 class, if I remember right. I forget I get ministered to so many different places, but I had years ago, I had. Um, I used to have really a lot of problem with dry skin um, on my hands in particular, and every winter, the ends of my fingers would just crack open, and it was like, remember, I'd have Band-Aids wrapped all over my fingers like a lot through winter. Well, it's hard to play guitar like that. So I asked this lady one time, I, um, an older, older lady in the Lord and a great friend, powerful woman of God, I said, would you agree with me that this thing just gets healed up? And she said, absolutely, and I said... Um, I said, all right, let's pray. And so we begin to pray, and I got a word of knowledge. The Lord says, this is the enemy doing this to keep you from playing guitar. And I, I shared that. She said, I agree with that word. And I said, all right, let's pray and get this thing done. Within the hour, I had, I had open uh, sores on my, the end of my fingers. I mean, open. And within the hour, they were completely closed up. Now, that's what you call A miracle instantaneous like that. And I thank God for that. But when we pray or when we take the word and we pray according to the word and we take the word and we put it in our heart and we don't see instant manifestation, seed takes time. And it's actually not God dragging it on. Sometimes people are like, like, oh, in the Lord's time. Well, there are some things that are in the Lord's time, but then sometimes things just take time because seed takes time. So you have to realize that when you, the word of God is seed and when you take, say, for instance, healing or maybe financial uh, breakthrough or increase, because see these things, it's funny to me whenever people are like, I'm not into that prosperity. I'm not into all that healing stuff. And it's like, God is. I mean, he's <laughs> just. I just sometimes I shake my head and I'm like, "Where do people come up with this stuff?" Well, God wants you to. God has never glorified in sickness. Now you can glorify Him in the midst of dealing with sickness, but He doesn't. He's not like, <laughs> "Yes, let him suffer a little longer." No, He's provided healing and the atoning work of Christ. He wants you to be healed. You just have to learn to cooperate with it. That's all. It's simple. And, you know, a lot of times people are like, well, you know, you prayed for so-and-so and and they weren't healed. And, you know, those people have been believing and they weren't healed. Does that change the word of God? No, we don't build weird doctrines because we had a bad experience with uh, the devil. Because the Bible says, and in Mark chapter 4, it says that when the word is sown. See, what we're doing right now, we're going like this. We're taking seed seed. And it talks about when the sower sows the word, it's a picture of this. It's a guy or a woman, whatever, walking with a bag of seed. This is back in the day. This was the picture. Walking with a bag of seed, and they would come, and they would just throw the seed out. The purpose of throwing the seed is so what was in the seed would go into the ground and produce what the seed had to offer. The only thing the ground did was give a proper climate and a proper culture for that seed to produce what was in the seed. So if the seed is what it is, and do you know that there is DNA inside seed? Like there is, and I don't, I'm talking beyond my pay grade here, but (laughs) inside of seed, like if it's a corn seed or if it's a soybean or if it's whatever, whatever would grow from a seed, you're not going to plant corn and get apples. You're not going to plant oranges and get grapes. What you plant is what you will get. But most of the time, and people are like, yes, amen, I believe that. I received a word from the Lord concerning healing or concerning this, that, or the other. And I believe that, but it didn't happen. I guess God didn't want it to happen.
0: No, the enemy came and robbed your seed. Or, or.
1: I forgot she was back there. I got all excited.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) The the enemy could have come and robbed your seed. I get in the zone,
1: and I'm like, yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, Or the thing is, is sometimes we will actively put that seed into the ground but then we don't do anything to tend to it. Yeah. And a farmer a good farmer would never plant a seed in the ground and leave it to chance. That's right. He Come would on. continue to water it and he would continue to take the weeds out and he would continue to make sure the ground is good and he would continue to look over that field and make sure that and and this is also the other thing knowing that what's in the ground will spring up but there is a time period where you don't see anything, but you have to trust that you know that you put the seed in the ground and that you are doing all the things that you know to do to produce the harvest. So that's continuing, well, I mean, in the level of enduring, but then that's even even where more of fractures and disbelief you get into this place is that maybe you'll take one step by actually saying, okay, I I said that word, I sowed that seed, now I'm going to leave it to the Lord. Whatever He wants to do, he'll do. No. No, this is where you have to continue to journey and partner with the Lord, tending the soil of your ground, continuing to water it with the washing of the word, continuing right. to make sure that it has sunlight and that it is cultivated and that things and conditions are good. Yeah. And even, you know, you guys think about this too, that the pressure of the ground actually causes the seed to also to spring forth. And sometimes when we're enduring pressure, we want to quit. But it's actually in those times when we say, I feel weak, then God says that I will be strong in you. So when we feel weak, that's when we're actually called to press in and to lean in and to say what he says to say and only to believe him because it's in that journey that we build relationship that we build trust that we build confidence and even small minute that then, you know, the faith has to be increased. It's a muscle. We have the measure of faith, but the ability we have to operate in it, you know, it has to be expanded. And That's God right. isn't going to say, you know, believe for a million dollars if you haven't taken time to believe for one dollar. Right. That's because right. it takes the same amount of faith. It's that you just have to, in our minds, we think a million dollars is a lot and one dollar is nothing. But to the to the Lord, it's the same. It's just working right. that muscle. It's journeying with him and building faith or building confidence that he is who he says That's he right. is and come that he'll on. do what he says that he'll do. Because in that place of growing and journeying with him, disbelief gets gone. Yeah, those The way for the enemy to come in, it gets shut down because you're like, uh, God, he met me in this place. Oh, God, he met me in this place. And you start building testimony and you start building remembrance where God actually met you and you start actually saying oh my gosh he is who he says he is right and he'll do what he says he'll do and he actually is awesome and I love journeying with him and I, I I love partnering with him so you know don't Don't take for granted even just like planting that seed and saying it's done. No, like continue that process of speaking and believing and trusting and going with him. Yes. And don't allow the enemy to speak lies to you. Don't allow the enemy to speak defeat to you. Don't don't give him any room. Yeah. Don't let him actually persuade you over the Lord persuading you. Yes. And I I, mean, I have so much to say about all this.
1: Amen. Life. No, this is good. And I, I want to actually, we're going to finish this up next week because okay. we're basically out of time. But I want to hit something. I want to pray with you guys about something because I really feel. I just really feel really strong in my heart concerning, um, like, the fractures and things and people just being in, like, a condition of having a sick heart, and we're going to take care of that today. We're going to get that healed up. Let's go to Mark chapter 4, and I want to show you something. This is really important. Um, Mark chapter 4, and uh, I want to read a little bit here. You all right with that? Good. Great? Grand. I'm excited that you're all right with it. We're going to go to verse chapter 3, and I want to give you... uh, I could minister on this until we're all blue in the face, but I want to... Actually, that's I shouldn't say that. I could minister on this until we are just on cloud nine. Amen. That's a better way to say it. But uh, I want to give you a little bit. This, these are Jesus' words, and he actually says here, um, for time's sake, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to go to Verse 13. But basically, Jesus began uh, to teach, I teach say this once parable. Can yeah. really
0: quick? Because the Lord's just speaking to me and reminded me, like, sometimes there's like mystery. We will, because this has to relate to like even fractures that like we're journeying or we're not seeing and we're probably actually in this place of passivity where we thought that we're actually being active, but we're not. And all of a sudden, like there's mystery of like why or how come. And sometimes we'll take that mystery and we'll let the enemy speak to us opposite of what God says when actually mystery is supposed to create wonder in us it's supposed to actually make us lean in and press in and trust the Lord and say reveal to me your mysteries speak to me in these places Um, open my eyes that I can see show me what needs to come out of me that I'm believing wrong or things that are hindering me and we allow mystery to actually lead us into this this Belief, when actually mystery is supposed to lead us to leaning and and pressing and to the Lord. Yeah,
1: Amen, Amen. That's right, that's right. You know, if there if you don't have any mystery, then faith isn't necessary. I mean, it's in the it's in the mystery and the not knowing of things that you go, Lord, I don't know, but I'm just going to go back to your word and continue to press in and trust you. Um, so I want to I want to read this. Uh, we're going to start at verse uh, thirteen, but basically Jesus gave this parable. And to me, this is, this is, and he basically says this, this really is the parable of all parables. There is no parable that Jesus taught that is more important than this particular parable because everything that we know or could know, everything concerning the Lord, everything concerning the word, his kingdom, who he is, all of it hinges on this parable right here. And so the disciples came to him and said, Lord, we don't understand this parable. And then in verse 13 of Mark chapter 4, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then so Jesus gives explanation to his disciples. He says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. What word? whatever word at that moment that you needed to produce faith in you because you heard it to manifest the fullness of what God has. He comes immediately to steal the word. It says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. No, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Our destruction comes, death comes, when we allow the enemy to first steal from us. This is, see, the deal is, is that we're the ones that have authority. We need to set up a security perimeter around our heart. That's why the word says, guard your heart with all diligence. You need to set up a security perimeter around your heart. You need to put an electric fence. You need to do more than a hedge of protection. You need to build a wall with a jagged thing at the top and uh, and put electricity running through it and have Air Force flying over and, you know, have snipers on the building and all that you got to really, really guard your heart. Why? Because the enemy wants to come and steal what rightly belongs to you to produce what God says you can have. The The word says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. We're not supposed to be angry at people. If you're angry at people, you are sinning. This is why he says, be angry and sin not. Do. It's actually like a command. So you're supposed to be angry that the enemy's robbing from you. If you don't know that it belongs to you, you won't get angry because you don't think that it's yours to begin with. But you need to look at the precious seed of the word of God as something to protect. And a lot of times people only want to protect what they can see. It's like if you had a whole... You know, a real farmer of a real farmer would understand what is in the ground is just as valuable as what is on top of the ground. What he put in the ground in April or March or whatever is just as valuable as what has come up out of the ground in October. It's just at a different stage. But if you don't protect what's there when it gets put in the ground, You won't have anything to reap come harvest time. You don't have to take my word for it. Look what Jesus says. It says, And the sower sows the word, and these are the ones, and we read all that, but the enemy comes immediately to steal or to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. The first thing he's wanting to do is steal that. These likewise are the ones sown on on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and, and so endure only for a time afterward when tribu- tribulation or persecution arises for the... See, you thought the enemy was coming against you just because he didn't like you. He's coming against you because he doesn't like you <laughs> and to steal the word, to try to bring any kind of anything that would get you to stop believing and give up on the seed that's in your heart. In verse 18, it says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones, and this is where I really want to get to here just for a second, then I want to pray for you guys. It says, They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes fruitful. You know, oftentimes when you see manifestation, Honestly, I mean, I'm all for a blessing and favor, but prosperity has killed more people than poverty ever has, spiritually speaking. Because sometimes when everything is going really good, people are like, eh, the desire for other things. How many people have uh, begin to, to prosper or they get this, this job opportunity and all of a sudden they stop having any care for doing what's important, going to church and doing, doing things that are right that God calls us to do? Because they get busy with other things. It's the deceitfulness of riches. It's the care for other things. But, you know, also what, what is in here uh, that it talks about is that the cares of, this, uh, cares of this world. And, you know, care of this world, I think that could be a pretty broad statement. But you know what? I want to say this. A care of this world for a lot of people are the difficult things that have come against you. Just life stuff. And you're like, Lord, wait a second. You told me. Your word says And you saw something different. but This is what you have to get sealed in your heart. You have to get it sealed in your heart or you will go down a path that is not healthy for you. You have to get it sealed in your heart that it wasn't God's fault. And and this is, I'm gonna open up a can of worms and I'm just gonna leave it open. And y'all can email me or call me or whatever and I'll explain it to you. But the most detrimental doctrine in the body of Christ is the extreme teaching on the sovereignty of God. people say you don't believe God's sovereign yeah in this in the uh, in the sense of how the word what it actually means first of all the word sovereign was not in the King James version of the Bible but in the old testament alone it was uh, it was in there over 300 times uh, i'm sorry in the original King James the word sovereign was not in the old testament but in the NIV the nearly inspired version uh, the NIV <laughs> it was in a, i'm not against anyone reading the NIV i'm only kidding uh it was in there over 300 times. Now, I'm not against the word sovereign, but what has happened is that people have taken the term, the sovereignty of God, and they've basically, anytime they see it or hear it, it's like, we're going to believe this, but ultimately God's sovereign, and if he wants it to happen, it'll happen. If he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. Listen, he, if he lied against his word, everything would totally crumble, and his word is seed. And when the word is sown, that word will produce what it's supposed to produce. And if it doesn't, it wasn't God going back on his word. We just missed it somewhere. We just didn't we just didn't protect our heart like we needed to. Something went on. The enemy robbed from us, something happened, but it was not God. And when people come to this place where they're like, Ultimately, it's just all up to God. How can you believe for anything? How can you really believe that you have any authority on this earth if you believe all the authority is given to God? Jesus had all authority given to him, and then he turned to his disciples and he said, Now I give you power and you authority over all sickness, over all disease, and over all demonic spirits. Over all sickness, over all disease. That authority was given to them. Are we not Jesus' disciples? I'm not a cessationist. I believe the gifts of the Spirit and all the authority that Jesus had and his disciples also belong to us today. His word is true. It belongs to us. What we need to realize is that the enemy has just been robbing from people. We have to not blame. We can't blame God for stuff. I've had a lot of things go wrong in my life just like you have. Everybody in this room, heartache, trouble, loss, pain. But one thing I said in my heart years ago is, God, I will never blame you for something that the devil did. I mean, imagine all of the people that go to heaven thinking that God was responsible for all of their heartache. And they, st- honestly, I don't even think they have to, st- I don't even think he has to say anything. He didn't even have to correct them. He, they just stand in his presence and go, Oh my God, none of that stuff was you. You are, so- I believe that Jesus, when you, we look in his eyes, we will see nothing but pure love. See, if you, want to ruin, if you want to mess up your theology that religion has taught you, get face-to-face with Jesus, and it will ruin you because you will never believe that a God that loves that much would ever cause or allow all that stuff to happen. We live in a messed-up, fallen world, and we have just scratched the surface on learning how to cooperate with heaven to receive everything that heaven has to offer us.
0: If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.org.